I want to talk about walls of fire today. Walls of fire. So let's get into this. A couple, a couple years ago, I don't know if you remember me preaching this. We got a whole series on this, and we talked about canoeing in the mountains. Remember that message? And we were ta- that whole series, we talked about Lewis and Clark. And they left St. Louis in a canoe. And, and their thinking was this. We're going to get to the Pacific Ocean, and, and we're going we're gonna to have to we're going to have to row up, uh, you know, upstream, and, and we'll just get to a place where the, wherever the river starts, the Missouri River, wherever it starts, and we'll just climb, uh, climb a hill, and, we, and as we get over that hill, we'll be able to see the Pacific Ocean, or at least the river we can get on to float downstream to the Pacific. Makes sense, right? Well, they got to the source of the Missouri. They didn't see a little hill. There was a hundred miles of mountains. They saw the Rocky Mountains. They weren't canoeing. They were experts at canoeing. They trained their, their, their crew how to do the boats, how to do the canoes, how, how, to, how to eat. How to, how, and now all of a sudden, they had to get rid of the canoes and buy horses. And after the horses, they had to, they had to learn how to, how to do the horses, and they had to learn how to climb mountains. In other words, what got them there was not going to get them there. And I have a word for this church today, and we said this two years ago. In fact, in January, before COVID ever hit, remember we said a darkness was coming. It's coming. Didn't had no idea it was COVID, but it came. Who did it ever come? And I told you two years ago, even then, what God is here, everything we've learned and everything we think we know about doing church and, and, and everything we've learned about how to organize and structure. Uh, listen, there's a whole new generation coming, and we've got to relearn everything. We've got to learn how to canoe in mountains. We're going to have to learn that what got us here is not going to get us there. And a lot of churches are dying today because they're unwilling to change. And they're unwilling to learn a new way of doing things. I, I might be old and I might be old school and I do like old music. I, 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 listen, we can talk about all the old things and God was in that. But those old things, a lot of those things are not going to get us to where we need to go. And I'm willing to do things I'm not comfortable with that, that I don't especially enjoy. You know, the church today is really good at making the old people with money happy. But the church today is not very good at reaching young people and keeping them in the church. There's a whole generation now that we're losing. And it's time that we do it. Matthew 24 talks about what's going to happen. Wars and rumors of wars. False Christs. Famines. Someone said the next war will not be fought over gas and oil. The next war will be fought over water. Jesus said pestilences. Plural. So there's going to be more than one. You say, oh, this COVID's terrible. No, you don't know terrible. What if, what if we had a plague like the Black Death in the Middle Ages? What if one-third of the population of America, one-third of the world died? 
and died ugly, painful, with these growths all, you know, all over your face and under your arms. And, and if you got it, you either survived or you were dead in three days. Now that's something you're going to have to work on not being afraid of. That's horrible. This is bad, but this isn't horrible. How many know this? This might be just the practice for, I don't mean to be negative or scare you, but it could be a lot worse than this. Lawlessness. The Bible said that because of lawlessness, the, 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 the hearts of many are going to grow cold. There's going to be a falling away, and we're seeing it. Pastor, it's this, you know, it's this. People say, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. No, probably not. Oh, some of you believe it. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I don't think it is, but this is kind of a dry run. People say, I don't get, I don't get this mark of the beast. Now, who would take? Why would you do that? I'm beginning to see how much influence they can put on you to make you do what they want you to do. <laughs> I, I can see. I, can you see the government clamping down and say, "This is what you got to do," and if you don't do it, you can't buy or sell. Can, did, did, can anyone see how easy that would be? This is kind of COVID's kind of a dry run for the Antichrist. This is the test run to see what he could get away with. I mean, I'm not trying to be political here. I'm just, I'm just trying to, to, to lay it out that things can change drastically very fast. And you're gonna, we may have to make some serious decisions, especially those of you that missed the rapture. How many are ready for the rapture right now? Okay, for those of you that didn't raise your hands, come to the altar now. The rapture, the ten virgins, oh, Jesus, I don't want to get into that. There were all virgins, but only half of them made it, and half the church has fallen away now. He that endures to the... I think I'm going to preach that next Sunday about endurance because we got a lot of tired people. Hello? So, so we're in a war. And, and I know exactly how the devil's waging the war. He wages it through the abortion industry. Come on. This is a serious thing in the eyes of God. As millions of, of, of I, I, saw this, I saw this picture, this kind of a stick drawing of a pregnant woman. And you see this woman and you see the little baby. And, 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 and there's an arrow that's, that points to her and says, her body. And then there's a little, a little arrow that points to the baby and it says, not her body. That's, a, that's a, another individual. And I don't believe you have the right to kill it. How many know that's not political? That's Jesus. And I believe there are consequences to that blood. I remember something Abraham Lincoln said. I think it was his second inaugural. And he got up and he was talking about the Civil War. It was almost over. And he said this about slavery. Okay, He said this about slavery. This is so interesting to me. But he said, he said, the cost of the blood from the whip is now being paid for by the blood from the sword. 700,000 people died in the Civil War. Can you imagine? 
in a much smaller population. Everybody you know, somebody died in the Civil War. 700,000. Those soldiers that died in Afghanistan, tragic. Can you imagine 700,000 Americans dying in a war? More people died in the Civil War than World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and all the other wars combined. And Abraham Lincoln said it was because of slavery. It was because the blood that was shed on the backs of slaves had to be paid for. And it was paid for with the blood of 700,000 soldiers in the Civil War. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. What about the blood of unborn babies? That's got, that'll be paid for somehow. Oh, my God, and it's going to be bad. We're in a war. We're in a war. Number two, they're attacking marriages. Redefining the marriage. Redefining the home. Even, even, there's even a financial attack because it's actually financially beneficial to not be married. And that we have fatherless homes. And it's... And, I'm just so amazed at you single moms and how you're raising, or, or maybe you're married, but your husband won't come and he's not saved. And I'm just amazed at, at the job you're doing. But listen, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a battle. It's hard to, to keep your children in church when dad is not in church. We're losing an entire generation. They're joining gangs because that's where their father figure is. The family's being attacked. They're trying to redefine marriage. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I'm sorry. Now there's 40 genders. 40 genders. How is that even possible? There are only two genders. But they're trying to redefine marriage. And, and if they get away with that, then why can't, we, why can't we marry four or five wives? Jesus, I'm not going there. The 30-year-old I'm married to now wears me out. So, so if we, maybe we can do polygamy or, 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 you know, these poor people who love their pets so much, maybe you can marry your pet. Oh, they, and then they're already trying to, uh, to, to change the rules on, 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 chi- on children. I, my, my brain's not working what they call that, but they're, 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 they're trying to make, it's not legal yet, but they're trying to reduce the penalties and reduce that stuff. So, so that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a 14-year-old consents, maybe it's okay. Oh, it's coming. There's a war going on. I mean, I mean, I mean. Look, look. This goes all the way back to creation. This is going to be a long message. Are you okay? I mean, you go back to creation. He told Adam what? He told him to multiply. Abortion is is a direct assault on what God said. And then he said, "I, I, I want you to be, you know, man and wife. And I want you to have a family, 
And the family is at the very center of what God made and created, and and they're attacking the family, trying to destroy the family. I mean, the very thing God created at the very beginning are the very things that the enemy's trying to kill and destroy. Before Moses came, they killed the children. Before Jesus came, they killed the children. And Jesus is coming again. But it doesn't matter what they do. When Jesus is ready to come, even so come, Lord Jesus. And finally, they're trying to control their minds of young people. There's a re-education process going on in your school right now. To change the way young people think. And it's why they're not coming back to church. It's why they don't believe in Jesus. It's why you have an entire... Listen, we're dealing with people now that have never, never been in church in their lives. Never. Growing up, I did not know anybody like that. In fact, growing up, I didn't even know there were Protestants. If you were a Lutheran, you were out there in my hometown (laughs) bringing in the sheaves. Oh, you're come on, your praise team's really wild. (laughs) How many know the church has always fought over music? My God. What got us here won't get us there. Zechariah chapter 2. This is an interesting script. I, I better, how many know I better? Put some word in this. Don't, don't slow me down. Zechariah chapter 2. So, so, I said, so I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem. Take out the word Jerusalem, put the word church. I want to measure the church. I want to control the church. I want, I want to understand how to do church. So I want to see what its width and what its length. And there was the angel who talked with me going, with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him, his, a vision he had, who said to him, run, speak to this young man. We need, we need the Holy Ghost to speak to some young pastors. Go speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem... The church shall be inhabited as a town without walls. All preach it. Because of the multitude of the men and livestock in it. In other words, quit trying to build walls because you can't contain what God's about to do. Oh, there's more to it. For I, says the Lord, I will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. We've got to stop building walls and say, this is all God does. This church is not measured by just what goes on on Sunday morning. My vision for the future is to quit building any more walls. Listen, I'm too old to build anything. I stressed out over the playground. I'm done. And it's not yet. 
People brag on buildings. People brag on structures. People brag on budgets. But listen, every time you build a wall, listen, in the, in the olden days, uh, you get a little town, right? The town keeps growing. And at some point, the city leaders say, we've got to build some walls. Why? Because walls protect the city from attack. And you know you've arrived when you have a wall around your city. And God said, my city is not going to have a wall. Because if you build a wall, you restrict what can be done. Now, I know why churches build walls. They build walls so they can control things. They build walls so they can determine who can come in and who can go out. They build walls because they feel safe behind their walls. But God said, stop building walls because I am your wall. I'm like a wall of fire. I'd rather have a... In other words, I don't want just these four walls to be your protection. When you walk out of this sanctuary, you ought to be surrounded by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Wherever, the, wherever every family in this church goes, they ought to go with the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's not about what happens here. It's about what you drag into Walmart. It's about what you brought into the doctor's office. It's what you take home into your neighborhood. My God, it's about your children going to school. Listen, we, we've got to stop containing. Because, listen, you can't. Listen, he said, what was he doing? I'm going to measure how many people you got. One of, the, one, of the, one of the greatest things I think I did that the Lord told me to do is to make a list of things that he'll never ask me on the judgment day. And most of the things that I put on my monthly report to the church of God are not on that list. God's not going to ask me how many people. He's not going to ask me what the tithes were. He's not going to ask me how big the sanctuary was. <laughs> he doesn't care how many are in the seats. He wants to, he, he doesn't care how many are seated. He wants to know how many went. How many did you, how many did you help to engage in ministry? I know y'all like to tease me. Don't tell pastor what you're good at. He'll put you to work. Listen, I'm not trying to get a job done. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to engage you into your destiny. I'm trying to put you to work for Jesus. I'm not trying to get something done. Oh, we got to put somebody in the two- and three-year-old class. No, no. Who's called to teach children? And let's, let's, let, let's let them teach children. Who can sing? Who can move? Who can do this? My God, whatever God's called you to do, I want, I want to release you to do what God has called you to do do. That's all it is. That's why the job doesn't have to get done all the time. We're, we're trying to train people. Now, so we can't measure what God wants us to do. And number two, we can't contain what God wants to do in walls. 
And number three, it's not about controlling everything. I mean, they teach you that in, in, in preacher school. You've got to stay under control. You've got to keep everything under control. Listen, it's not about control. It's about covering. I'm not trying to control anybody. Actually, it's probably, maybe it's easier to pastor that way. I'll just be pastor dictator, do it my way or the highway. And we'll just, well, you know, I'll just, we'll just, we, listen, it's, it's scary to have this many people involved in the church. Churches much bigger than ours have a much smaller group of people. But why? Because you can control it. And the rest just get entertained. I, I was reading a book and they were, they were talking about how, how we went from, remember when Israel was just being, Israel just had judges. And then Israel went to Eli the priest. And then Samuel. And then Saul. And then finally David. David, the, the Davidic church is what we're looking for. The the. the Y'all got a minute? Listen, this is, this is teaching. Listen, this is good. The judge's church was where everybody did whatever they wanted to do. And the judge's church was what's like, they said, thinking, well, where's, where's God? Where, where, where's the God that brought us out of Egypt, right? And, and the, only time, the only time they would pray, the only time they had a judge was when they were in trouble. So you got this church that only prays when they're in trouble. And, 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 and they're always looking to the past. And they keep saying, now God used to do it this way. Why isn't he doing it that way now? Let me give you an example. It's like when Jesus came to the man at the pool of Bethesda. Hello? And, 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 and he said, and the Bible says, uh, and around the pool were l- the lame and the sick and the diseased, and everybody was waiting for the moving of the waters. We don't want to pastor a church that's just waiting for God to do what he did before. And we got a lot of people just waiting by the pool. And the man, and Jesus said, do you want to get healed? Huh? There's a ringing. So do, do you want to be healed? And he says, I, I don't have any man to put me in. Well, this preacher just doesn't preach what I like. Well, this music doesn't take me anywhere. I, I need a man to put me in. That's the judge's church. That's old school. How many are beyond that? We got to get beyond that. So, so, and, and by the way, he had to be carried. I'm so glad I pastor a church where I don't have to carry every one of you. You've learned how to carry yourself. Thank God. You know, I don't mind changing people's diapers, but if you're 20 years old, it's a nasty job. (laughs) Then there's the Eli church. I call that the y'all come church. We just sit there and say, well, they know where we're at. We're not that kind of church. Why did I call it the all come church? Because Hannah, I guess Hannah didn't think her prayers could be answered anywhere but in church. She waited till she got to church to pray for her son. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying good things don't happen in church. <laughs> yeah, great. Th- I mean, she had a son. She had Samuel. 
But you don't have to be in church. we got to get out of the four walls and understand God's moving all over the place. In fact, God would rather move in the marketplace than in the church place. Especially nowadays because they aren't coming. I drive through the city and I see these signs, revival. Yeah, they're just pouring in. They think just putting a sign out there, revival tonight. You know, a hundred people are going to show up. Oh, I saw your sign. Nobody's coming. It doesn't work like that anymore. This isn't a y'all come church. This is you need to go church. In fact, Jesus says go. He didn't say come. We got to go. Number three, then there's the Samuel church. Now, Samuel was a prophet, and Samuel had, was a circuit preacher. He, he went all over the place, and wherever he went, people go, ooh, the prophet's here. It's kind of like these five-star evangelists. It's like these TV preachers. Come on. People are sitting at home now because they got TV preachers to listen to. There, there, there are people whose mindset is, I'm just going to go where the glory is. Not where God wants me. Do, do, do you believe, how many know in our, in our 40 year history, there's been just a couple weeks where we struggled? <clears throat> That's a joke. <laughs> there are times we struggled. If church isn't the way you think it ought to be, does that mean you leave? Did God send you here? Oh, yeah, God sent me here when everything was going good, but now it's a little chilly. So I'm, I'm going to go wherever the fire is. you got to serve God when it's hot and when it's cold. Good days, bad days. Listen, you just the, the point is, what is the will of the Lord for your life? And I'll respect that opinion, but you've got to know God's will. So you can't just follow Samuel around. We've got to find him for ourselves. Oh, come on, church. I got, I got to hurry. Then there's the Saul church. Finally, we got a king. We got a king. Woo. We got a kingdom. We got Saul. Saul's our king. And that's kind of where we're at today, the Saul church. The Saul church, it's, <laughs> it's all about seeker-sensitive. Let's, let's dumb down the standards Let's get as many people in, in, in here as we can. I kind of understand where they're coming from, but sooner or later, don't you have to tell them the truth? <laughs> Come on, it's all, about, it's all about fog machines and skinny jeans. I mean, that's... We don't have either. Not so much. It, it, it's, it's all about performance. It's, I mean, there, there are pastors that literally are stressed nearly to death over their Sunday morning service. They're stressed that someone will be off key. They're, they're stressed that someone will say the wrong thing. Ever been to a church where someone says the wrong thing and everyone goes, we say the wrong thing, we go, ah! I mess up, it's the church joke for the whole week. How many know we don't get stressed around here? 
It's whatever God wants to do. Come on, church. I don't have to hit a home run every Sunday. At least an RBI. I mean, there are literally churches, I mean, pastors that are, that are physically dying, stressing out heart attacks because, because they're, so, they're Saul. They're Saul. I'm going to describe Saul in a minute, but we've got to get to the David church, the David church. You know what the major difference was between Saul and First Samuel chapter 7, the major difference between the Saul church and the David church, watch this, First, uh, first Samuel chapter 7, uh, the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought into the house of Abinadab on the hill and the consecrated Eliezer's son to keep the ark of the Lord. This is when Saul became king. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim for a, it was there 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Paul left the presence there for 20 years. He did not have Jerusalem. Listen, if we're going to be the church, we need to be in Jerusalem. But he just stayed wherever Samuel was. Let's just stick close to what works. Come on. And old, old Pastor Saul... Hey Amen. He he's in he's in in where was it Rama and Rama and and he's there. But listen, you can't rule from Rama. You need to make the shift to Jerusalem. But he never made the shift, and he didn't care that he was pastoring a church without the presence of God. It didn't matter to him. I don't need the ark. I know how to do church. I've been to every seminar. I know how to get people in the pews. I know how to, uh, how to, uh, how to, how to influence people. I, I, know, I know how to do this. I don't need the presence of God. You can be completely ignorant of all those things and have the presence of God, and you will always be successful. This is kind of the perfect size church where we, 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 we have resources, but at the same time, we're experiencing the presence and power of God. And if there's no presence here, what in the world are we coming together for? We, we could meet in the deli section at Walmart. We don't have to come here. How many know we got to have the presence? Saul, Saul was the right man. He had the right anointing. He was, he was king at the right time. But even though he had the right anointing, he, did, he had everything he needed except the presence. Hi, this is Misty, administrative assistant to Dr. Bruce Phillippe from Journey Life Center. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to part one of Walls of Fire. We will have part two next Sunday. So please feel free to visit our website at journeylifecenter.org to hear the full sermon or past sermons. You can also visit our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. And if you would like to visit Journey Life Center, it's 2578 Spring Mill Road, just past the college campus. Thank you and have a blessed day.